My name is Josie. My name is Claire. And you're listening to The Cashew Project. Please keep in mind throughout this podcast, these views are simply our perspectives. So today we're going to be talking about creation and environmentalism. So to get us started, we're just going to go in with the basis of creation from both the Christian and Jewish perspective, uh, which are pretty similar considering that both are based off of the book of Genesis and the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. So um, for from my perspective, the story of creation is, of course, in the book of Genesis, which is in the Old Testament and creation. And it took seven days for God to create the earth and everything. And we are also taught that we are created in God's image and likeness, which has been really stressed in our current, my current theology class this semester. Um, yeah, so God created us to be like him. And because of his love, creation became a thing. Yeah, essentially the same with Judaism. As you said, they both come from the Old Testament or the Torah. Mm-hmm. Um, the Jewish name for Genesis is Bereshit, kind of literally meaning the beginning. Seven days. Um, for kind of the biggest key thing to take out of creation is that in Genesis, like verse one, lines 26 through 28, God said, let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness. Mm-hmm. Um, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, all the wild animals. So God created humankind in his image. Yes. And he says all that and goes into how he creates like the male and the female and bless them to like reign dominion over the earth, be fruitful, multiply, and mm-hmm. just kind of rule over every living thing that he had created previously yeah and in a lot of ways this podcast is going to relate back to our previous one about abortion kind of and like respect for life because we're supposed to respect creation in this sense yeah just kind of yeah kind of that every living thing was created under god and like how man and women were created to kind of be the overseers of all of that Mm-hmm. And that's very much stressed throughout Judaism. We have a holiday in the spring called Tu Bishvat, where we go through and kind of take all of the like fruits and grains that, you know, the f- different families of fruits and grains that come from the trees. And really, it's just everything that's given to human beings by the earth is very valued, especially in the mm-hmm. spring with a time of like rebirth and yeah. all of that. So. Yes, and right now, we are in the season of creation, which is also known as creation time, and it goes from September 1st through October 4th, and October 4th is actually the feast day of St. Francis of Assisi, who is the saint of ecology because of his love for nature and animals, so he's, at least from my understanding, one of the most well-known saints, um in like the christian faith and especially catholicism so he's very important in this season of creation and like really what inspired me to try to do this podcast was the fire in the amazon forest and then also the fact that we are in this season of creation so i think it's very relevant for now and everything that's going on in our world 
um, and how creation is so tied to environmentalism. We're kind of diving headfirst into the Jewish high holidays, which we plan on making mm-hmm. an episode about separately. But yeah. Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year, will be September 29th. And as with all Jewish holidays, there's just a lot of like figuratism with like food and like the apple, just like vegetation and just kind of the natural cycle of the earth is mm-hmm. very, very much tied with Judaism. Like literally in the calendar, we go by the lunar calendar which Mm -hmm. i think is more tied to just kind of like how the earth works i think and i really wanted to do this podcast because i actually just wrote an article about this for my newspaper you should go check it out (laughs) dartnewsonline.com uh where i kind of talk about how the media has falsely represented environmentalism for teenagers Mm -hmm. because Teenagers now kind of feel that participating in small trends like plastic to metal straws or like yeah. buying a water bottle is enough. But it's it's not. not. Yeah. And that we are kind of the generation that it lies in our hands to fix the bigger problems of the environment. And these problems mm-hmm. aren't necessarily being shown on the media, which they should be. They should actually be the focus. Like Very true. Very direct problems to climate change of like greenhouse gas emissions and like where is that coming yeah. from and just like... Stuff like that. Um, Yeah. And I think that, I mean, some media outlets have been pretty good about it, but I do agree with your perspective. Yeah, I'm talking about the big ones like Instagram and Mm -hmm. Snapchat. You just do not see a lot of, like, direct environmentalism. It's more of, like, trends. And trends are very Mm -hmm. fleeting, and we don't need trends. We need action. That is very true. You need something permanent. So... I guess to get us off started with environmentalism, um, just want to make the blanket statement that the Catholic Church is in support of environmental movements and preserving and protecting the environment. And in fact, Pope Francis wrote um, a piece about it called Care for Our Common Home, and we'll hopefully be linking that in the bio. So if you're interested, you can go and read it. And it was publicly released in 2015, so it's a couple of years old, but I still think it's very relevant for a church leader to take such action, especially, you know, just a few years ago, like so much can change, especially when it comes to the environment. And we've clearly seen that in the, um, specifically news media. You know, I think one quote that I really, really liked from, um, from Pope Francis's, um, I don't know, like letter or address about the environment was that um, he says that we have come to see ourselves as her lords, talking about the earth, and masters entitled to plunder her at will, which I think is pretty accurate. And I feel like it perfectly encapsulates why, like, why environmentalists are so passionate about the environment, if that makes sense. Because we have taken advantage of and exploited so many natural resources in the earth that, you know, there really is no going back. Like, it is on our generation to try to, quote-unquote, reverse that effect. It's kind of statistically proven that our generation is less religious than those that came before us. Very true. And so I think activism definitely 
runs through our generation. Mm-hmm. Just it's kind of well known that this will be in our hands. Yeah. So I think having a religious leader say that this is an important thing that needs to be addressed isn't necessarily for us, but for those people older than us who don't necessarily feel the importance. Who are still tied to that established yeah. institution. Yeah. No, I would agree 100% with that. Um, and I think that that's a really good point, too. And um, just another thing that um, I researched and found out was that um, the Catholic Church has um, this environmental justice program, or the EJP, which is run by the Department of Justice and Human and Peace Development, which, quote, educates and motivates Catholics to a deeper reverence and respect for God's creation. So again, tying that all back to the root of creation. And so I think that this is a little more politically driven, kind of like what you were saying, um, to inspire lawmakers and the religious community to be activists it's very interesting if you think of the political climate today Mm -hmm. um a lot of times when our current president is trying to sell himself to his supporters he often Mm -hmm. uses that he does not support the environment yes um well i was just reading something um and we know that his religious demographic is mostly Christian to Catholic. Mm -hmm. And I just think that it's really interesting that, like, the Pope, the religious leader Mm -hmm. of the, you know, institution itself contradicts. Yeah. I was just reading something today um, specifically about that, um, how the current administration is apparently planning on rolling back some clean water initiatives that were set in the Obama era. And um, so there won't be a limit on the chemicals that are released into waterways, supposedly anymore, if it's when it's repealed. So that will have effect on a lot of um, natural... Um, waterways and the life in um, both like ocean and river streams so that's just current off of what Claire was saying Um, and just even the biggest one of the very he made a very clear statement at the beginning of his presidency pulling out of the Paris climate accords Mm -hmm. that is very true I just think that that's like really interesting and we could dive deep into that, but I think that would take us on a separate discussion of, like, what his motives were behind that. Because It would be more political instead of, yeah. Yeah, which I don't necessarily think it was him hating on the environment, but I, I, do, so. but I do think it wasn't necessarily by his own means, if that makes sense. Like, I don't think he independently decided to do that. I think he was influenced by... Who he's marketing to. I think that that's a good possibility. Um, um, and one thing I do think is interesting about specifically Catholic environmentalism is that it's focused on how like the, the effects that humans are causing on the environment are like impacting the poor. And that was something that was highlighted um when I was reading about um, Catholic environmentalism 
And it made me think that, I mean, I think I heard on NPR a while ago that um, when, oh my gosh, in cities specifically in like low income areas, because the earth is warming at such a rapid rate, um, the temperature in cities is rising. And since in those low income areas, the majority of the material that like buildings are made out of is concrete, that heat is absorbed. And so those areas are typically more hot and a lot of those families can't afford to keep air conditioning on during the summer. And so it's having a direct impact on, you know, those communities who don't have access to large green space um, like others do out maybe in the suburbs or in the more affluent parts of cities. Yeah, that's something I kind of wanted to talk about was I think urban planning is going to be something Mm -hmm. that needs to be really focused on, especially in our futures and just kind of like laying laying out urbanization in a way that it is more environmentally friendly than just stacking it on cities and then coming out to the suburbs or like mm-hmm. even just huge estates in the suburbs is so bad for the environment those just giant houses with lots of land it takes mm-hmm. away from like you know other forms of living and yeah. i actually i went to israel this summer and they for years since since Israel first established itself as an independent state, has been working with the environment and making themselves, like, they don't work on top of the environment, they work with it, if that makes sense. That does make sense. And um, Could you provide some examples of what that looks like? Okay, Israel was the... When Israel agriculture first started, they were the first people to use um, a drip irrigation system on a large scale okay and they really like pioneered that internationally because mm-hmm. they would have to use it like in the deserts to grow trees and stuff like that and yeah so i stayed on a couple kibbutzes which is essentially these little communities of people who all live together and it's kind of under it's more of like a socialist view of living like it's okay. all these people who live together in the same community and they all do jobs to support the community and keep the community running yes. and usually each kibbutz is associated with like a crop like I went to oh, okay. a kibbutz that had just like rows and rows and rows of date trees mm-hmm. and that was like a huge thing to like support these date trees and then like use these crops you know to feed everyone else and all that stuff so I think do they sell those goods yeah to make profit to support the community Mm -hmm. it's a lot of that and i just think that's going to be more thinking in that aspect is going to be really important within like our future as a country i don't Mm -hmm. i can't think of anywhere that does anything like that here there are probably some places but none that i know of and none that have been largely publicized yeah you know that's Um, just like been a tradition in israel for years like building mm-hmm. community out of agriculture is huge maybe it is because it's a relatively new like country that it hasn't developed to a point where it doesn't need agriculture mm-hmm. i don't know um or maybe it's because it is so religious based that like agriculture and having those fresh foods like for the religious holidays and stuff is so valued that that's mm-hmm. what they build their society around essentially yeah um I just think that's really interesting. 
clearly both of the faith perspectives we are looking through today are in support of environmentalism and have done that through separate um like through separate ways um i know that like a lot of environmental work that specifically like the catholic church will do will be like service projects like going out and cleaning up litter you know etc doing things to clean up the environment and try to help preserve it and then also through advocacy advocacy groups kind of like what i was talking about with the ejp so there's a big focus as well just in israel specifically um of trees Mm-hmm. And especially with Tubishva, it's literally it's the celebration of the trees, blessing of the trees, mm-hmm. like the tree of life. Like there's so much tree symbolism. Yeah. In Judaism, there's even just this story from the Talmud of a man, Choni, was walking along the road when he saw a man planting a carob tree. Choni asked the man, "How long will it take for this tree to bear fruit?" Seventy years," the man replied. Choni then asked, are you so healthy that you expect to live the length of the time and eat its fruit? The man answered, I found a fruitful world because my ancestors planted it for me. Likewise, I am planning for my children. And with that, you know, the symbolism of the tree and the fruit, it's also preparing the world for the next generation. Yeah, and I really liked that concept while you were reading it. Mm -hmm. Because... In the story, it says, like, my ancestors have given me a world that's fruitful. We mm-hmm. don't necessarily live in a world like that, but we have been given a world that needs to be fixed, and mm-hmm. we need to fix that world for our children. Yeah, and I think that every generation is giving is given something of that extent, you know, some, like, quote-unquote, like, project they need to mm-hmm. take on, in a sense. Um, and I think that the environment is going to be one of ours. Yeah, I just overall think this is super relevant to, like, everything that's going on now in today's world. And I think it's really important to talk about, too, Um, because it's good to raise awareness and, like, be an educated citizen in person, not only of the United States, but of the world. Because there are so many, you know, like, climate initiatives globally, not just nationally, because this is a global issue. This isn't just an American issue. And, I mean, like you said, it's Mm -hmm. obvious that both faiths really support environmentalism, and it's, like, shown within their texts and their traditions, like, that Mm -hmm. environmentalism is key. Yeah. And it's even just, like, looking past national borders and religious borders to just kind of come together and really address it because this is an international problem like we, mm-hmm. we all live on this rock in space and that's not changing true. anytime soon and it really is just going to be one of those issues that brings together just brings people together and i think it you know based off of what you just said i think it might bring depending on how all of this pans out it might bring like religious communities together you know, to, like, support each other in working towards protecting creation, protecting what their faiths are based off of, and their love for it, and their passion for it, and so I think that that's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Cashew Project. Next episode, we plan to dive into the high holiday season coming up for the Jewish holidays, including mm-hmm. Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot. It's going to be a fun time. Um, be sure to check out our other episodes. We made one about pro-life versus pro-choice coming together as pro-respect. Very interesting piece. Yeah, one of my fav- my personal favorites we've done so far. So, Yeah, so... Yeah. Thanks for listening. Keep in mind that in this podcast, these views are simply our perspectives and we don't mean to offend anyone. Mm -hmm. Thank Thank you. you.